I am excited that today is a day of celebration. It is a typical kickoff Sunday in the, the beginning of a new fall season, and we're here just to praise God for his blessings have flown fully in, our, in and around our church family and, and into this community, and we just want to give him praise and thanks. Uh, you know, today we're going to hit a lot of scriptures, so have your Bible open, try to keep up, because <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference a lot of scriptures this morning, uh, but uh, I probably won't, uh, won't uh, talk about each and every one of them, but we'll reference some really important scriptures. In 2021, uh, I began to watch American football. It was exciting. I, I was encouraged by a, a couple of friends here in the church who said, well, you should follow uh, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, somebody says, no. And then a dear friend of mine said, you know, I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. And something resonated within me. I said, that's my team. I'm going to pick that team. We're going to go with that team. Now, it did help that my son and his wife are living in Texas right now and not too far from the stadium, so that was a part of my decision-making factor. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was very, very thought through. Um, but I began to watch the Cowboys, and I've discovered that the cow Cowboys have a, a, a marvelous history. And one of the coaches that really struck me as I was starting to read about them is Jerry Johnson. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy. And Jimmy in 1993 uh, was leading his Dallas Cowboys uh, to what we now know is a Super Bowl win. It was awesome. But we also know what he talked about in the locker room just before they went out. Jimmy brought out uh, a two by four, a uh, big tall two by four, and he laid it on the ground. And he looked at his team, and, and he really wanted to inspire them. And so, as he laid that two-by-four on the ground, he said, I could ask each one of you to walk across that two-by-four, and not one of you would fall off of it. And everybody sort of shook their head. They could do that. That'd be no problem. But he said, if I put this two-by-four ten stories up between two buildings... Maybe some of you would walk, be able to walk across to the other side, but many of you, most of you, would fall. And he said, do you know why you would fall? He said, because with the possibility of failing, your eyes would not be on walking across, but you, your eyes would be on the distance to the ground. And you know, you've probably walked on something a little higher and narrow, and you've fallen off. He said, when you go out on that field, you want to do one thing. Just like walking across a two-by-four on the ground, you keep your focus and you walk across that two-by-four. When you go out on that field, keep your focus on the purpose of today, what we're trying to accomplish. We're going to win a Super Bowl today, and it's all going to depend on how focused you stay. Don't look at the crowds. Don't mind the cameras. Don't mind the reporters. Stay focused that every play you play is like just like in practice, just like we did in practice, and you did it well in practice. You can do it here, but you've got to stay 
focused. What a powerful image that Coach Johnson gave to his team before that critical, critical game. And, and it was absolutely critical that they stay focused on each and every play. Stay focused. Don't get distracted by the crowds. Don't get distracted by the cameras. Don't get distracted by the lights. And as Christ's church, we, the bridge Whitby, could easily get distracted by a number of things. And, and some of those things might be even good and right, but they are good and right, but not for us, because God has given us a clear direction to go. He's called us to be a church for this area, this region, the Durham region. How terrible would that be should we let ourselves get distracted or to lose our focus? Wouldn't that be terrible? So how do we keep from getting distracted? How do we keep from being taken off course from what we have been called to do? Let's pray. Father, this morning we are here with great joy and anticipation of a day of celebration. We've already enjoyed worshiping you with songs that remind us of your goodness, your faithfulness, and the power of uh, the Spirit of Christ that works in and through us. And we pray that today we will just come together as a family because we, we know together we make a family and that we get focused for this season of ministry head that what we do and all that we do will bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I believe that the number one way that we or any church might get distracted is by not having clarity around our mission, around our values, around our vision that God's placed upon us specifically. So today, I would like to bring some clarity around, one, who are we? And what are we called to be and to do together? Think, think about this. What are we called to be and to do together? Secondly, I want to bring clarity around uh, the call uh, that God has given. And I want to encourage you to stay focused. Let's stay focused uh, on the key markers of who the Bridge Church is today and who we will be in the days ahead. And we'll talk about some of those markers. Thirdly, uh, I would like to bring some clarity around uh, the fact that we're called to play a significant part in seeing God's plan for the Bridge Church come to fruition over the next part. Do you know that as you sit in these chairs each and every week, that that's only a part of the call of the believer's life, to worship together, to learn together, but then it is to work together. And I believe that as we talk today, you may sense a part in which you may play in reaching uh, God's vision for us as a church. And so uh, the first piece of the clarity equation, we're going to call it, is centered around our mission. And we refer to our mission as the pillars. Some of you have, uh, have got the pillars. They're in your heart. You know them. You can say them. But 
There are some who are near, new here today. So first and foremost, what are our pillars? What is our mission? Uh, what's a pillar? In life, think about what a pillar does. A pillar is a firm, upright support for a superstructure. There are pillars in this church building. Some of them you can't see and some you can. They are uh, supporting the integral part of the overall superstructure. And that's the same for what we call the mission. We have four pillars that support the superstructure of God's mission for us as a church family. And you'll hear this verse many times as you fellowship with us, but it's an important part because it is the key um, verse I believe all churches have for what is our mission. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. I just stopped there. Make disciples. Now I'll continue. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love that verse. As we're doing the mission, Jesus has promised that his Spirit, Holy Spirit, will be with us right to the end of this present age. So that's the mission, to make disciples. So we've now uh, really framed this in four pillar, pillars. Uh, we believe God has called us as disciple makers to do four things. To help people, one, know God. That's where you start, isn't it? We want people to know our awesome and great and loving God. Some scriptures around that, uh, John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. We want people to know God the Father, and they know him through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. We can get a full, clear picture of who the Father is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus in Mark said, whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. So when we receive Christ as Savior, we're receiving the Father. It's wonderful. So we want to help people, first and foremost, know God. We believe that God has called us as disciple makers to help people. Secondly, find freedom. Now, immediately, doesn't that just make your heart feel so warm that the world in which we live in, the challenges that we face, that God's care and concern for us is to help us find freedom. All the world, first and foremost, is in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to sin before Christ. We're in bondage to the lingering consequences of sin. Now, let's go back to football as an illustration. When I was in my first year of high school, in my first month of high school, I thought I was football team material. I really thought it. 
And so I thought, man, I want to play this game. I was an athlete, volleyball and baseball and all that. But I thought I could play football. I could really be good. I can catch the ball, run, get a touchdown, do the dance. Everybody would think I was great. Well, within the first practice, the very first play, I got the ball and I said, here it comes. Here I am going to be great at this. And all of a sudden, there must have been 25 guys that had piled on top of me. I don't think there's that many guys on a side, 11 guys. I think they all piled on. They got me. They piled on top of me. And as I was at the bottom of that pile, I thought, dear God, help. (laughs) I will go anywhere you want me to go in this world and be a missionary if you will just let me get out from this pile on. I couldn't breathe. It was so overwhelming. And as the last guy got off me, I breathed again, and I said, where is the locker room? Somebody must take me to the locker room. It was overwhelming, the weight of those um, opposing players. So when I talk about freedom, when God talks about freedom, uh, and the freedom from the bondage and burden of sin, that's what I go to in my memory, that sin is like being piled on. And the devil loves it when we're piled on, when sin and its consequences just bury us and, and cause us to spiritually hard to breathe and life hard to live life. So first of all, we find freedom from the burden and bondage of sin because there is the reality of sin. If you don't think, think sin is real, then you are almost like putting blinders on. Because the Bible tells us so clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Bible tells us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And one more. 1 John 1a, we were just studying 1 John. It says, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let's not deceive ourselves. Sin is a real issue. There is the reality of sin. But let me also tell you, there is an answer to sin. It's not like we're in a hopeless situation. God has made a way for us to find freedom. Freedom from the sin. And it's found in Jesus only. The freedom is, now the Lord, in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18 says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that wonderful? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image From one degree of glory to another. Freedom from sin is so amazing. But it also, with freedom, comes transformation. From one glory to another. So we're not just given freedom from the burden and bondage of sin. But also from the freedom of brokenness that sin has caused in all of us. You ever have those days where you just feel so broken? Life is tough and, and, and maybe you're not handling it well. Maybe you're not leaning on the Lord. 
that brokenness that comes, maybe it's even worse, maybe it's an addiction to something. You know, drugs, alcohol, pornography, some kind of major addiction that is causing you to just recognize your brokenness. Not all of us have those issues, but the reality is we're all broken. And it is only in Christ that we find wholeness. Do you know that God is said to be holy? That's who he is. Spiritually, we understand that, but what it's saying is, God, there is nothing in any way out of place in God. He is holy, holy. And that's his desire for each and every one of us. Uh, each and every one of us. He has created us in his image. And therefore, we are created to be holy and holy, just like him. Without brokenness, nothing within us that is keeping us from a holy, pure life. But unfortunately, when sin entered the world and sin as, uh, as human beings, we became broken. Uh, I was doing some reading and, and three points were brought to my attention about sin. It does, it does a real number on us, doesn't it? First of all, sin perverts our perception of God. Because of sin, the world cannot fully understand, cannot see God for all his glory, cannot understand who he is and why he loves us so much. Perverts our understanding, our perception of God. But also, sin perverts or warps our self-perception. We don't see ourselves as the image of God. We don't understand the, the plan of God in our life. Not only that, sin degrades or elevates our uh, perception of others. What I mean by that, we look at others and we think how little they are, how awful they are. Or we look at others and we think, look how wonderful they are. And we live in a society right now who just uh, glorifies um, Hollywood, uh, many of the people in Hollywood glorifies many of these social influencers online. And guess what? They're broken too. If they don't have Christ, they're broken and need Jesus. I like what Josh Grover wrote. He said, Our sin is against God, yes. But who does it really damage? Sin brings this uh, disintegration of self while righteousness living congruently with the character of God, brings integration of self or spiritual wholeness. This is one reason God hates sin so much. He doesn't want our disintegration because he loves us. It must be said that any and all righteous living apart from God doesn't give, uh, get us to wholeness. It gets us to self-righteousness, a horrible disease that many Christians live with and perpetuate on others. Take a moment and reread that one more time. Sin damages us. It brings disintegration of self. Well, righteousness, living congruently with the character of God, brings integration of self or spiritual wholeness. 
When we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God himself lives within us and now begins the work of integrating us into the love of God. Remember last week, Pastor Jonathan talked about the example of the triune God. They love each other perfectly, holy, and when we come to faith in Christ, we get to be a part of that wholeness. Loving God and loving each other. And Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they, us, may have life and have it abundantly. Are you living an abundant life? If you don't sense that's happening, then something is missing in the walk you're having with Jesus. Maybe it is something that is keeping you in that place of disintegration and not wholeness. But that can be remedied can be remedied with confession of sin and allow the cleansing of God to wash over you and you begin fresh in that wholeness that God has for us. Thirdly, we believe that God has called us as disciple makers to help people discover their purpose. Here's pillar number three in our mission. Pillar number three. It's abundantly clear that uh, throughout scripture that God created each one of us with a purpose to be fulfilled. Psalm 138 verse 8 says it so clearly. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God has a purpose for in us and a purpose through us. Each one of God's children have been wonderfully, and I mean wonderfully, gifted to live out his purpose for our lives and in our lives. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, But each has his own gift from God, one uh, of a kind and one of another. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul a little bit later says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So as we think about our role here at the church, it is to help people discover their gifts, uh, to hear the call of Jesus, uh, our Savior, to use those gifts, not for ourselves, but to bless the church family and to honor the name of God. Are you using your gift? Do you know your gifts? Everybody has at least one. So I would encourage you, if you said no, I'm not sure what my spiritual gifts are, that you talk to myself or any one of the team. Uh, Michelle would be great as well. We have a little gift analysis survey. He can get that to you. We can make sure that you know what gift God has given you. And as you use the gift, you, you're strengthened in your own walk with the Lord and you bless your church family. I was reminded of what James said in James 4.14 where he says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I'm always reminded in scripture particularly of the brevity of life. And so therefore I'm thinking, okay, if God has given me a spiritual gift or more, I don't know when he's going to call me home. So I want to use that gift for his glory and his people right now. So I encourage you, discover your gift. And if you have, use your gift. Fourth, the fourth pillar 
We believe God has called us as disciple makers to help people make a difference. You know what? We're difference makers as believers. God uses us to make a difference. It's a call. Let all who call Jesus Lord not neglect to help others and to, and to be difference makers. Again, remember Matthew uh, 28, verses 18, uh, 19 to 20, that we're here to make disciples. Uh, let me give you a, in another way, uh, as Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.9, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Do you know that you're all priests sitting in this room? There are so many out in the world that want to say, priests are just those who preach or those who do ordinances and sacraments in the church. No, 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 dear people. Those who've called upon Jesus to be Lord and Savior, you are priests. Go therefore and be priests. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that what? You may proclaim his excellencies, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, dear family of priests, the church, a family of priests, go proclaim his excellencies. Go use your gifts in a way that bring glory to God and strengthen the body of Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Do you know what the number one call of the Christian is? To do good works. Now that's odd because we say you, you can't come to faith, you can't come to God by doing good works. That's true. You come to God by faith in Christ alone. But then you do good works that demonstrate you are called. You are a part of the family of God. So good works are still critical. There's so many things we can do that are good works. Caring, loving, supporting, providing, praying, standing in the gap for others. All right, that's our mission. And we call them our four pillars. I would encourage you Learn the four pillars. Let them soak into your life and heart. You'll discover that you just want to be a part of God's mission. The next is our values. And this year, we haven't talked about our values because I look at pillars that sometimes pillars need a little support. And you may see those cross beams in some pillars. Well, that's what I see our values. And within the context of missions, uh, we need to recognize that there are some very clear biblical values that support us in the mission. And what do I mean by biblical values? What's a definition we can work with? Biblical church values are clear principles that we as a biblical New Testament church hold as critical in our pursuit of accomplishing the mission of God that he's entrusted to us. They are biblical because they flow directly out of scriptures. Biblical values. Clear principles that we hold as a New Testament church. Now, I'm going to give you the ones that we have honed in on as so critical to the mission God has given us. There are more biblical values to be found. But here are the six 
uh, mission critical values that we believe are important to us. The first one is unapologetic preaching. Unapologetic preaching. Preaching. Uh, uh, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1-2, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. He was giving that appeal to a young pastor. Not only to a young pastor, to churches all around uh, the region that he was serving in. Not only to churches then, but to churches now. All biblical New Testament churches, one of the clear values that they, we all should hold is that we hold to biblical preaching. You don't want to just hear my opinion. You don't want to hear me talk about politics. You want to hear God's word opened up, explained, and applied to our lives. So biblical, unapologetic preaching. Why? Because Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what this word does in our lives. It gets right in to the very core of who we are and allows us to see us for who we are and it allows us to understand how God has made a way for us to be whole and honoring to him. Unapologetic preaching. Two, passionate worship. I watched you guys this morning as you worship and I just, I love to watch Christians Lift up praise to God. Um, I was reading in the Old Testament in First Chronicles 16 where David uh, was just so excited. He, they had just brought the Ark uh, of the Covenant and placed it in the meeting tent, the Holy of Holies. And he, he, he sang a song of praise. And it really was one that was a model for all the people of Israel. And it's a model for us. And he said in First Chronicles 16... Verse 23 and following, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Mm. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I could keep going. There's more there. Isn't that exciting? David's excitement about worshiping God, it should be infectious to us. When we really understand who God is and, and what he's done in our lives, may we never ever get to the place where we think our salvation is just so blah. Each one of us is bound for hell. A separation from God for eternity. And God called you out of the darkness into the light that you might be people of praise and worship. May we always as a church hold this value high 
passionate worship. Thirdly, intentional discipleship. This is so important. I mean, we've read Matthew 28. We know we're called to make disciples. Listen to this quote. I don't know who the author is. He said, discipleship is a call to me, but is a journey of we. I like that right off the bat. It's a call to me, but a journey of we. Jesus of Nazareth comes, always comes asking disciples to follow him, not merely accept him. Dig deeply in your mind on some of these thoughts. Called to follow him, not merely accept him, not merely believe in him, not merely worship him, but to follow him. One either follows Christ or one does not. Do you get the depth of what this author is trying to tell us? It's not just about saying, uh, I'm saved. I'm trusting Jesus. But it's about following him in every aspect of our lives. Every day getting up, saying to the Lord, I'm here, Lord. I'm following Jesus today. So as we read Matthew 28, 19, 20, over and over and over again, uh, we recognize the call to personal discipleship runs in front of the call to make disciples. We must be before we can make. Got that? We must be followers before we can be a part of God's making others followers. They have to see in us a passion of love and focus to follow Jesus. When people see that, we really don't need to say a whole lot. We evangelize first, but by how we live, by the we. And then sometimes we even speak to people about Jesus. Therefore, Paul says in Colossians 2, just as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Our call is intentional discipleship. Intentional. Are you making intentional decisions each day to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple maker? Fourth, Fourth value that we hold dearly, that strengthens our pillar, is loving community. Some scriptures, 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We spend a lot of time in 1 John. And 1 John is really all about learning to recognize who we are and to love each other as believers. Jesus said it even so much more clearly, I think, in, in John, the Gospel of John, in verse, chapter 13, verse 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Do you have a sense and a, an inner composure that says, I, I love my church family. No, they're not perfect, but I love them. Jesus is like, I give you commandments that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. 
People will get it. When they see that we love others, like the church family loves each other, with all our warts, with all our cracks, with all our peculiarities, that we still love one another, that speaks like a roaring waterfall over the darkness that this world has to offer. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider not uh, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some have the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why do we come together? Because we believe in unapologetic preaching. We believe in passionate worship. We believe that we are disciples to be and then to make. And we know that if we miss coming together, we miss sharing the love of Christ with each other and missing all those other things that build us up to be all that we are to be. Two more. Bold witness. The value of bold witness Romans 10, 13 to 15. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and one of the most beautiful, beautiful sentence in the scriptures. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And it's not talking about preacher pastors. It's talking about us as a church family delivering the wonderful, beautiful news that Jesus saves. That he loves this world. That he died for each and every one. Will you just come to him and trust him? Surrender. So, These five values, I think, now are held together here at the Bridge Whitby Church by number six. The last value that we have sort of honed in on as being six key values, and the last one is spiritually healthy servant leadership. This is kind of what helps us as a body to stay together on mission, on task. And so... With this, I say we are committed to raising up and supporting and training men and women to be leaders who are spiritually healthy. Key, spiritually healthy servant leaders. And that's important. Spiritually healthy is important, but spiritually healthy servant leaders. We believe in servant leadership. an interesting interaction that uh, um, Jesus had with his disciples, a couple of them particularly, and he said this, he said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let me read that verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus, 
the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, 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 the God of the universe who created everything that we know and everything that we don't know came not to be served, but to serve. And even more specifically, to give his life a ransom for many. That those who would trust in him would have life everlasting. And so we believe in lifting up men and women in their servant leadership. We trust that each one in this room today, those who are watching online, recognize we're all called to be leaders, servant leaders, in different ways, in different areas of life and ministry. But be a servant leader. Okay, last. We're on the last section. The last section we're going to look at today is where are we headed as a church family? What's God called us to do, to be? So I'll give it to you in terms of God's vision for the Bridge Whitby Church family is three things. At this point, we, we've got some clarity around the three key areas where God is leading us in the days ahead. And the first one is to be a church where people experience a loving, invitational family. And this morning, I bet you I could have many of you stand up and say, when I first came here, I felt so welcome, warmly welcomed. Uh, and and that's, that's great. That's wonderful. We want you to know that we're so glad you're here. We want to warmly welcome you. We want to tell everybody who walks through these doors, who listens to us online, you are welcome here. Come as you are, just like we came, warts and all, come as you are. Come and enjoy the fellowship of the church. Come and enjoy uh, the teaching of this ministry at this pulpit. Come and serve out of your gift. Come and find Jesus, first and foremost, a loving, invitational family. We see that invitational aspect, yes, in the morning service. We see it in our small groups. I can tell you right now, there are small group facilitators in this room who would gladly stand up and say, if you don't have a, a small group, a community where you get to be loved in a, uh, a very caring and smaller way, come and join ours. If you're not in a small group, you are missing that invitation because it's out there. Join some small group in this church that says, we will support you in your life, in your walk with Jesus. A loving, invitational family. Secondly, we're called to be a church where we are raising up and training, growing, reproducing disciples of Jesus. Uh, we've read it. We're to be making disciples. And within that concept of making disciples, it is uh, disciples who will then make other disciples. And so... Growing, we want each and every one to, to grow in their understanding of God's love, his plan for your life, uh, what vision he has for you personally, and how you are a part of his, the vision, the mission of the church here. So we want to be discipling you into becoming reproducing disciple makers. Will you think about that? Am I really a disciple maker? Again, there's so much there. We'll take some time and unpack that in later days. But you're called to be a disciple. 
so that you can be a part of making disciples. This is where we see our church going, that we will be known as a disciple-making church, growing, reproducing disciples. Lastly, to be a church where we develop and support spiritually healthy leadership. We just sort of mentioned it as the last value, but let me reiterate, uh, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. You've heard that saying? It's so true. And so we here are, are focused. Our elders team, our staff team are focused on how can we help you to become a spiritually healthy servant leader. That's what we're here to help, how we're here to serve you. And you might be getting excited. You, you might be even saying right now, I can be a healthy, spiritually healthy servant leader. I want that. Well, you just need to talk to me, and I'll get you set up with the right people, the right uh, plan that we are developing here to help you become that servant leader. And include small groups, includes being here every Sunday, worshiping and growing. And then it includes going out of these doors and making a difference in the lives of others. Jimmy Johnson, Coach Johnson, gave his team some great advice. So, as your coach pastor, let me reiterate what Coach Johnson said, but in our context. Let us keep our eyes on the mission to make disciples, growing, healthy, spiritually reproducing, servant leader disciples. Let's not get distracted. There's a lot of things out there that are, are catching our attention. And as I said earlier, some might even be good things for Christ, but they're not what God has called us to do. So let's keep our eyes on the ball. Let's keep our eyes on the mission. Those four pillars tell people, know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Let's keep our, uh, our self-centered and supported by these values that we've just talked about. And lastly, these three visionary um, ideas that we believe God's called us to do. And as we do this, I don't know if we'll grow in numbers. I think we will. I really do because people will say, hey, I want to be a part of that mission, that vision. That's not the, the real motivating factor. The real motivating factor is God will receive the glory and we will grow to become mature disciples and a mature family. Let's keep our eyes on the vision moving forward. May God bless us in the days ahead. This year, let's look to see how God's going to overwhelmingly bless us again. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning where we just had a little family chat. That's really what this is. It's a time where we've been able to review, um, get a handle on some fresh uh, pieces of the puzzle when it comes to who we are as the Bridge Whitby Church. And I pray that everybody in this room will have caught 
the excitement and, and their own understanding of the vision and how they will be a part of it. Father, we thank you for those who are visiting with us today and we pray that you put your rich hand of blessing upon their lives. Keep them, guide them, and uh, Lord, maybe they'll be a part of seeing what you're going to do here. And Lord, we just only want one thing, your glory. Help us to stay on that path of honoring and glorifying you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.